Hello, welcome to Josie Long and Robin Ince's Utter Shambles. Top billing for me. Top billing again, but as we always remind people, if that the actual sentence that came out, Josie had top billing, but her words were actually to the right of the poster, whereas I have lower building, billing, but mine are towards the left of the poster in Butch Cassidy uh, and the Sundance Kid style. Uh, and today we're joined by Ed Byrne. Hello there. You all right, Josie? Where have you been? I'm tired. Uh, you're tired? I fucking missed the train back from Newcross. I had to hang around for an extra hour drinking and then go and stay with Michael Legg and watch bloody... Uh, uh, missed a show till oh, 3.30 in the morning while drinking wine. What a horrific I'm bind. pretty tired myself. <laughs> I'm 41. Then you um, wouldn't... Oh, I'm quite tired as well. I stayed what, up. What you excuse look, can you, you possibly have? I had some television sort of, television sort of stacked up. We had some friends over and we don't watch television when friends are over because we're quite middle class. Well... When my friends come over, we do. But when my wife's middle-class <laughs> friends come over, we don't. We put the radio on in the background. Oh, your <laughs> wife is so middle-class, she even gets all the old ice cream spoons out the side of the sofa that's <laughs> been there for a couple of weeks <laughs> for when your friends will ask. And polishes there. them. Polishes them that's up. That's what I remember. Was it? Did you ever share a flat with Ross Noble? I did. I shared a flat with Ross Noble for about a year and a half. Was that up in North London? We, uh, we Actually, we were in three different places. No, in fact, it was longer than a year and a half. It was two and a half years we, we, we lived together. We were six months in a flat uh, just off Turnpike Lane, yeah, and which was horrible. Uh, we were both fairly poor at the time, and then we were in a flat in Finsbury Park for a year, where we managed to get rats, even though we were on the third floor. Oh. And you know that the, the the nice, clean families that lived below us couldn't understand how rats were. Rats going well, away through them bypass the other two yeah. houses. They were going like, up through these these lovely clean houses, going. I tell you, lads, it's going to be worth it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and then we lived in a house in in Walthamstow for a year. Leightonstone. So I remember one of the I remember the Leightonstone one, which he then stayed living in Leightonstone when you were. Uh, no, he not. That's right. He moved to Walthamstow after after we moved out of the house. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and he had his uh, beautiful downstairs toilet just with lovely pictures of Ted Rogers and Eunice Stubbs, yeah. etc. But no, I just remember one of the houses going around there and the excitement when Ross suddenly found one of the ice cream spoons that had dropped behind the because that was at that mm. point I think he was mainly living off tubs of ice cream, wasn't he? Yeah, Ross was. Uh, you know, he went up and down in his ways, and he I was very much with the up. Uh, phase of his weight when where he used to as he called himself weird gas station attendant Elvis stage of his <laughs> appearance uh, and yeah he would just he would eat like a massive bowl of salad and then feel so good about himself he'd then eat a load of pizza but we would we would we stopped doing the washing up so we had paper plates but we'd still put the paper plates in the sink rather than in the oh. bin like it was that kind of that we is abhorrent. Almost, yeah, it was almost <laughs> like a joke. It was almost like we were doing it just to see how filthy we could be. And it was incredible. And then we eventually, like in the flat in Finsbury Park, we decided oh, we got to clean this place up. And we filled, literally, I'm not exaggerating, we filled eight refuse sacks of just actual rubbish. Not things we didn't want anymore, actual rubbish. And as we're carting it down, the woman downstairs came out at one point and sprayed air freshener and went, I think a cat's been sick. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's no, not when you get rats in your house, removing it's stuff when the rats house. leave. Mm. And I think that's the situation here. We got rats, and then they, even they went. Oh, this is, oh, no. We can do better. Um, we mentioned uh, Josie. Have you got involved in this? Uh, I suppose it, we're almost giving more oxygen uh, publicity now. But uh, Ed, well, the do you know Ed, Ed's a cyber bully? Oh yeah. How you leave Cheggers alone? Yeah. What have you done that's bullying? What have you? I personally, you I didn't. Done? What happened was, uh, I, I I jumped onto Twitter and I saw that Simon Evans had had tweeted. Keith Chabon and saying very politely Cheggers old boy 
you know, are you aware that some of these jokes are by professional comics and it's not the done thing to be just retweeting them without crediting? And he got blocked by Chegwin for just saying that. So he was oh having, God. yeah, he was having, so he was having a bit of a bitch about it. And I think a, a bunch of comics were kind of just talking about it, you know. And and there, there was a, a thread had already started up called Cheggers is a joke thief. You know? There's only one rule, really, hmm. which is don't steal other people's jokes. Yeah. Well, all I then said, I just put a, a, a message out saying I'm quite surprised by Keith Chegwin's reaction to Simon Evans. Uh, and then Keith Chegwin like called me out and said, you know, put out a tweet with my name in it and said, uh, you know, getting a lot of hassle off comedians here. Most of them, and this was the funny, most of them doesn't even write good stuff. They just refreshed the memory, which was a kind of a, a rip-off of a put-down Bernard Manning made about another comic. He doesn't write jokes, he j- more refreshes your memory. And so I came back with, this is the uh, this is the nastiest thing I said in the whole thing I, I came back with. Most of them doesn't even write good stuff. That's the command of English that's kept you off our TVs all these years. Now, that might be construed as being a little bit nasty, but I, I resented having the, the implication that I don't write jokes, as it were, or yeah. don't write decent stuff. So he came back at me and goes, ah, Ed, please stop. I've been a big fan for ages. So I that appealed to my ego and my heartstrings. <laughs> so I immediately said, all right, I apologise. That was uncalled for. I just think you should credit your sources. And he came back with, apology accepted. No apology for his dig about my writing skills because apology accepted. Um, but, you know, most of my jokes, I, I, I don't know where they come from and I can't credit dead people. And I said, of your last four jokes, one was Lee Mack and one was Milton Jones, both current working comics and that was it that that was it that was the the, the extent of my exchange and right. my discussion with Keith Chegwin and then did the papers get hold of it and then uh, the papers got hold of it uh, then Russell Kane made a joke saying uh, uh, we, you know as a, as a joke we should all change our avatars to a picture of Keith Chegwin uh, <laughs> David Baddiel said has Chegwin gone mad or has he started drinking again <laughs> uh, and, and that was it and then it it kind of you know as I say it it you know as it has happens on Twitter it, things just snowball because instantly then people start calling each other cunts you know just very very quickly you yeah. know you have people you know and and I'm sure he was getting then Chegwin was getting hassled from people going oh Chegwin you're funny cunt and you tiny prick and saw you on the fucking TV with naked and all you know I'm sure he was getting you know that kind of thing and uh, and then I was getting stuff from from his but then he just you know. He then said that he was being cyberbullied by myself, Russell Kane, uh, Simon Evans, and David Baddiel, and and I thought that was the bit where I was really that was really funny in that he he wouldn't tweet the names of the comedians who wrote the jokes he was telling, but the comedians who disapproved of him doing so, he, he had plenty of room to tweet their names. Yeah, yeah. And he just unleashed his legion of knuckle draggers, you know, on, on us. And they just, I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even look at my Twitter feed for from about eight o'clock that evening till about half ten because it was just. You know, wow. Well, Who would have thought, though, there would be this Chegwin army that that people would have more than a fondest that would actually see him as some kind of you know giggling prophet? Mm. Yeah. Well, the, the the thing that annoys me is the fact that people have gotten completely gotten the wrong end of the stick on this discussion, though. In that, like people, the people's favourite thing to say to me that I, you know, when I do engage in discussion with some of them, because some of them, I, I, you know, you can kind of bring round to some sort of realization of the fact that you haven't done anything particularly awful is uh we will go oh so we're not allowed to tell knock knock jokes anymore all right so i'm not allowed to tell a joke down the pub no so if i see you on stage and i tell a mate, joke to a mate of mine i'm not allowed to do that and i was like 
No, 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 and no. I mean, next stupid question. It's like, I never said that. Mm. I just said that, first of all, old jokes are fine. I don't give a fuck if he wants... I don't give a fuck if he wants to steal stuff off the fucking Simpsons. I don't, I don't care. I'm only talking about the jokes he does from current working comics. Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't know where they come from. Well, we tell you, Keith, because as soon as you do it, it gets pointed out to you. And then all you have to do is say, that last joke, courtesy of Lee Mack. Yeah. Check him out. And it's a win-win then, you know. Yeah. People go, oh, actually, Mac must be quite a funny bloke. I like it when people nip my jokes. <laughs> I like it. Well, you've just got, makes you've me followed feel a special. similar system to me, which is uh, I, I've created the perfect lock mechanism by merely delivering crazed rants, <laughs> uh, which make little sense and certainly can't be done in 140 characters. Yeah. Whereas these old style, we've created a joke with a punchline yeah, to give people pleasure. Something well, if they're going to follow the old style <laughs> rules of delivering pleasure to an audience, then mm. they've fallen into their own trap, haven't they? I wrote a joke this week um, that I was really proud of and then when I wrote it down it didn't it just seemed to be two sentences and then I realised that a lot a bit of it relied on me going saying it in this voice mm. at the end well let's hear you say what. it in just a normal voice as if it was a joke okay. being delivered by you know so I'll just deliver it without the mechanism and then we'll mark it and then okay. we'll hear you do it with the voice mm. at the end I always root for the underdog mainly because I just like dogs that's a right, zero response. No, no, that's still nice. Response. But remember, we're ana- we're analysing now. We're not playing. But a part I still of the put audience. some inflection in, so I can try and do it drier, which would be. I always root for the underdog mainly because I just like dogs. Yeah, that would be too dry. That's too dry. Yeah, that now let's dry. do it with the voice at the end. All right, I always root for the underdog mainly because I just love dogs. I yeah, yeah, you see? That's, that's, that, yeah that's put that voice in. That's, that's, see, that's, that's what we lose in the written word. That's what, <laughs> yeah. that's what Twitter is robbing from us all, really, you know, when people retweet Me. their jokes, even when they credit them. It's, you know, written down, it's never as funny. Oh, that's the other thing, by the way. I love the, uh, the, the attack we talked about this before, the fact that someone went, yeah, and how arrogant to call yourself Mr. Ed Byrne. Yes, that was one. Well, that was, that's the other thing. <laughs> well, sometimes, you call yourself Little Miss Ed Byrne. Well, I've had a, it, it's another thing, because... Uh, Ed Byrne is taken on yeah. Twitter. Okay, the the name Ed Byrne is gone. Who is taken Ed Byrne? Somebody Ed Byrne. Else, somebody else called Ed, Ed Byrne. Who is this dickish? So it's, it's gone. Ed you know. So um, so at first I was calling myself Ed Byrne comedian, which was also considered quite arrogant by people who didn't think I was funny. <laughs> um, oh God. And, and then I I thought I I did I changed it to Mr. Ed Byrne because I had to call it something. You know, and and Mr. Ed Byrne. You know, a lot of the comics. On, 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 you know, who, who can't just use their own names, call themselves Mister, because it's, it's basically it's all the time where you get called when you're introduced. It's just something you hear, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mister Ed Byrne. You know, Mister Jerry Seinfeld. That's just it's just something that you're used to hearing. So that's what I, what I went for. And then when I, what, I remember when I changed it, everyone was going, "Oh, what? First of all, you're not sure if you're a comedian. Now you're not sure if you're a man. This sort of <laughs> bullshit." And I go, it's like, but yeah, I had a, I had one guy, but it, it just having a problem with me for calling myself. Mr. Ed Burns saying that if they you know, could call yourself Lord Ed Burns apparently Lord and Professor and Doctor they're all awarded titles you know whereas Mr. is a discretionary title and you shouldn't demand it for yourself and I'm like well look at myself look at me bigging myself up claiming <laughs> to be a human man you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah. I actually I, find now when I get abuse on, on, on Twitter which is Twitter is the only sort of portal I have to the internet anymore I, I I had a MySpace page and then I didn't bother. I never, I never got a Facebook one up and running. I just didn't, just nothing. You know, there's like a fan page, but I, I never. 
So Twitter's the the only one, and I I it used to bother me when people would just you know tweet me and go, "You're a fucking prick," you know, "You're you're as funny as a shit in the bed," you know, whatever. And, uh, <laughs> I I I oh, that's there's no there's no need for that. And now when I get it, I feel I just go, oh, "This will just be another Chegtron," you know. So yeah. I actually I don't take offence now. I assume that it's just somebody who who's just a big Cheggers fan, and so I just. That's it actually great. makes me feel a lot better now. Yeah. It's, it's not that they don't like me. They just like him. They just love <laughs> Keith Chegwin. Let's not talk about the internet. Let's oh, no, talk we talked loads about the internet. Right, let's not out. talk about the internet in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the, um... Oh, go on. No, it's not that interesting. I'll ask you afterwards. Oh, do you want to do it again without having an ooh at the beginning? Because the ooh did, I think, raise expectations yeah, for people maybe, listening. Maybe but if you just go... I got an iPhone this week... Yes. And um, I, I've that finally not you at all. You are known for I know, knitting and handcraft, s- and it's wrong. It looks too slick and corporate for me. Like that is a, a corporate, but it does look like it doesn't belong to me, and I don't really know how to deface it enough so it does look like it belongs to me. It looks like it belongs to a businessman. But um, mm. I've become really excited by the field of like apps and things like that. And so I was going to ask you about them, but then I thought that's not interesting for the podcast. And then I thought I could ask you about: Have you thought much about the potential of them, and have you thought about using them in your life, and have you thought about what ones would be good for you and things like that? So we, we you, you want to kick off a discussion about smartphones? Yeah, I do. Okay, why not? If that's what you want to um, talk about, so I hope you don't mind if I back out of this conversation. Okay, no, I don't. I'm not. We'll very, no, 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 it's fine. No, it's not because of a disinterest. It's just that each new bit of technology to me is I, I don't drive. I was I was staying in a. Yeah, when, but the car is not new. No, 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 uh, and I definitely know that I was the only person that when I needed to get my wallet out, their wallet was the National Rail uh, mm-hmm. wallet that I just keep in all my bits. Everyone else I had these fantastic, swanky kind of leather watches. Went, yeah, you've got uh, you've got a few expenses to pay. I went, that's fine. Oh, hang on a minute, that's my that's my book club card, and <laughs> that's my library card. And you could see the derision, mm. and the, and the sense of well, not derision actually. They covered that very well. In fact, they may well even have thought I was merely some eccentric millionaire. I think I had that moment of... That, uh, that, that is interesting that, that uh, uh, Josie's attempt to kick off a discussion about smartphones very quickly became, you've got an old wallet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you, you may bring up the iPhone, but I will steer this to my national... What can an iPhone do that a plastic wallet can't do? It's almost like that conversation we had where... Uh, well, not conversation, it was back and forth in a stand-up club where I happened to rail that night about the fact that I was annoyed that uh, there are only two magazines available in the majority of news agents about the whole of human history. history. Yeah. And there are 500 magazines about I married a slaughterer mm-hmm. and this soap actress is fatter than she used to be. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you, I, you well, did. I, I did point out that, yes, because that's all happening, whereas history, you, why do you even need two magazines <laughs> about history? There's plenty of history books. Like, what is what is happening that's new in history? Why would you have to have a magazine? New discoveries! News, new, news just in, Hitler, still bad, you know. <laughs> Uh, I don't think, and, you, and then you went the digs the dig yes yeah. that's, that's it so there's digs going on two magazines a week is enough to cover but, the digs but couldn't you create no. a false fashion no couldn't they're cre- finding no, no. wooden things they didn't know had been buried they're finding I bits just... of hair and hats that are great in fairness also... I subscribe to a magazine about hill walking 
and there are no great strides being made. Ah, <laughs> pun intended. Come on. <laughs> being made in hill walking. You know, there's no, there's hills still tall, yeah. you know. <laughs> New footpath announced. <laughs> Ooh, where is it? Where is it? Yeah. But then that's what I like creating spurious fashions, right? So you need history magazines so that you can be like, the 1820s, finally cool again. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Gordale yeah. Scar, way out. Well, I mean, I guess, I, I, I guess there is something like this just in. Apparently, it was pronounced Boudicca. You know, that, that must have sent shockwaves through the world of history. Um, I, talking about technology and things, I like the idea of having things that are mine that I cherish for a long time. Yeah. And so it took me, I've had this iPhone for a month sitting in the box, but my old phone wasn't broken and I didn't really want to get rid of it. And I like the idea of having things for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. There's something very nostalgic about using an old phone again. Yeah. If you like, if you you know, if you spill you know a drink on your phone, and so you take the SIM card out and you you dig your old phone out mm. of a drawer. Because there'll be old texts and photos. Yeah, and and, and, and also, the old pat buttons. Yeah, and it's really weird, especially because I don't know, like maybe if say you have have a phone that you had a lot of, say you had a lot of text exchanges with maybe the woman who's now your wife. Yeah. And you had these text exchanges with her when she was not even your girlfriend, and then going back to that phone, you, you suddenly it got an incre- incredible bond with the phone. You yeah. sort of realise, like, oh wow, that was this was the that the machine that delivered the message that said we were going to go out on a date, you know. Yeah. And it, I, I, that I was had my like, last phone that I've just got rid of. And there's a whole folder of like the chart of my relationship with my boyfriend and. Hmm. Yeah, it is. It, nostalgia weird. is a lot more immediate than it used to be. <laughs> yeah. I think there is that because I was talking about this last night at a gig where I had this. Because uh, Ed, what are you? Are you thirty-eight now? Yes. Right. The you look very good for it. The, uh, <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> the, when I say my age on stage, people laugh as if I'm lying because I look so ragged and ancient. <laughs> the funniest uh, one I ever heard, I think, was uh, you know Stu Who. Scott yeah. Stu Who was on stage at Glastonbury. Went. So I'm forty. And somebody just went, fuck me, you've lived. (laughs) 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 Um, That's the best one I don't want to say the other thing. No, I was, um, last night, I could just see it. I remember seeing Stu who once, oh no, I won't say this, but uh, I once him to take his dark glasses off. It's mm. a very weird moment in to because he'd always worn those kind of shades. It was yeah. very odd way he decided he was going to make human connection with the audience. Um, the uh, no, the, this nostalgia thing, where I wonder because you're 38 and it might be that I don't think when you're younger you actually experience nostalgia. Right. I think you experience remembering things, mm-hmm. and then when you get to a certain age, nostalgia is different because remembering things. Oh, do you remember that thing? That oh, do you remember the A team? Do you remember this? Mm. And then nostalgia. Is also tinged with a horrible sense of melancholy. You go, yeah. do you remember that thing? And it will never happen to yeah. me again. They're, they're dead the... and I'm old. Yeah. Well, not quite that. Oh, yeah. I suppose it is like that. Oh. Hey. Oh, well. well, but the other thing I, I think about, I was talking to this woman, uh, she was an actress, uh, I was working on her on a thing, and uh, and she had an iPhone, and she was saying that it, it kept messing up, uh, and because apparently she was saying, she has to update the software on it, but she doesn't know how. And like, well, you, when you just when you do it when you plug it into your computer, and she goes, "Well, I don't plug it into my computer." And well, you know, when you sync it with iTunes, well, I don't, I don't sync it with iTunes. I'm going, why, why do you have an iPhone? Yeah. You know, she's just like, you know, I don't, I just really need it to make to make phone calls and just uh, get a Nokia. Why on earth do you have an iPhone? I'm not interested in apps. I'm not interested in having iTunes or any of that. Well. Yeah, just get a phone. Because the reason I don't have an iPhone, I had one, 
and it really it wasn't a very good phone in, in areas of marginal signal it, it, no it performs very poorly See, I think I want that I think I want it to be like oh sorry I didn't have signal all day you oh, you sorry. like technology again, an element of suspense purpose. don't you I do I, I like yeah <laughs> that's like the whole horror movie thing isn't it now where so many movies and thrillers because of the rise of technology could not be made now because you just go oh it's alright I'll just make a call yeah mm. just over there well, that's so, why, well, so that, no, they always have to go. Oh, we better go down into this lead lined thing. <laughs> I can't get a signal in the lead lined thing. Well, How just, can I warn just, them well, of the zombies? Well, they just write something in. Like yeah. uh, I mean, you know, funny games. I think is a classic example of one where just early on, the 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 the, the guy just knocks uh, your woman's phone into the sink, and that's and that is it. That's all you got to do. You know, what's just, funny games? It's a it's it's a not very good horror film oh. where two guys who just uh, two emo looking kids who just rock up at this middle class home. And tor- torture and kill the family. Right. It's, it's basically they're two sociopaths. Yeah. There is no reason really given. And Michael Haneke in the original, he plays around with uh, like there's one bit where it looks like um, they actually the family are going to win. And then in the, I don't know if that happened, I presume it happens in the remake yeah. where suddenly he the film just rewinds. Yeah. And the guys replay it in a different way, and so that they make sure that they still top dog. Yeah, it's supposed to make you feel guilty whilst watching it that you want to, who you want. To, and I, I don't know. I, it didn't work for me. All in all, it just didn't. But my point is, what they rewind the film during it. Yeah, yeah. It's so like yeah, a, it doesn't it, make sense. That's not the rules. Yeah, it's, it's not, not as good as uh, a sort of strange thing. Yeah, just yeah. No wonder it's not been successful if that's what foreigners <laughs> think a film is. No offense. Do you think you can rewind the film during the film? How do we get on the funny games? Oh yeah, sorry. You, you were, were talking about, about how mobile, mobile phones were rendered. Oh were rendered. yeah, yeah. That is, you know, it, it is. It, it does make the whole plot device quite quite tricky. But that's. I mean, it's always been though in 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 horror films. There's oh, it's just one more thing you got to write in. Mm. Oh, the car it, it has broken down. Oh, we're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You know. Oh, the flashlights don't work. <laughs> you know. It, it it just writes in. Like you 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 could quite easily if you're off to a log cabin, as a lot of horror films have have been. That there won't be any mobile phone signal. And to be honest, even if there is signal, if the people have just got their new phone, like I have, isn't no point. Is there? A bit, oh, hang on, I'll try. Oh God, it, it's calling mm. my nan, but I don't know. Oh <laughs> Jesus, have I stopped? They're on hold. Mm. <laughs> Are horror films though the most annoying genre in terms of? Uh, I because I, I used to love horror films as a kid, and I still about yeah, yeah, once every couple of weeks go, oh, this looks like it's gonna be really good. Mm. Oh, yeah, I, I see and horror I, films I, all the time. I'm and just go. Fan. Why is it? Why is this one rubbish again? And I, I always fall for that gaudy. You know, you go. Oh, this looks fantastic. You know, it's got a great tagline. You know, yeah. the 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 living were dead, but the dead lived on. You know, something like that. And you go, this yeah. can be brilliant. Oh, I I I think my problem with horror films, apart from the fact a lot of the time they can be quite formulaic, is sort of at the end. You you just kind of go like something like the Hills of Eyes or even Severance or anything like that. At the end of it, you're kind of going, well, okay, they've survived. But they are still in the middle of nowhere and the car still doesn't work. And now the guy's clearly got like internal bleeding and several cracked ribs as well now, having battled the evil things. So they're still, in, they're still, you know, they're still fucked. You know what I mean? So I remember thinking at the end of the first X-Files film. At the end of the X-Files film, Mulder and Scully are soaking wet, lying on the ice about a mile from the North Pole. <laughs> And they haven't survived anything. They're dead. You know, you can just because they've escaped the spaceship and all this kind of thing, and they've defeated the aliens. They are soaking wet in business suits at the North Pole. But that that's is... one of the best. Thinking of cold ends to horror films, one of the best ends to any horror film is John Carpenter's The Thing. 
Mm. Where you've just got two guys sitting yeah. there, and exactly that though, but they're playing with the fact that yeah, they are they're actually sitting dead there, anyway. and what's going to happen next? Mm. And then you get all those brilliant conspiracy theories where people go, "Now, see, the interesting thing is that I think that part that he's actually he is now the thing because if you look, you can't see his breath when it's coming out of his mouth, but you can see the breath there. No, I think it's just the position of the light. Mm. No, it's like a friend, not a friend of mine, not an enemy of mine either, ambivalent really t- towards this person, years ago was saying, the prisoner, uh, Patrick McGinn prisoner, um, if you listen, uh, every single opening sequence is slightly different. Um, they actually have the footsteps play at slightly different uh, speed of when he's walking down the corridor. And I went, why would they do that? And they went, well, it's just, you know. And I love the fact that it's not enough the elaborate plot that is in there anyway yep. and all the games that are played with your mind they go and also just they, they suddenly went what, what mm. will really screw people up something that people won't notice oh this reminds me by the way just because your hair was moving in a beautiful manner there mm-hmm. uh, you, just, you have you got very your hair. hair yeah you. he's got lovely hair isn't he yeah. never, well, do you know what we don't talk about hair enough on this we show we do not lovely there's hair. no beauty tips even though I am a woman I never do a beauty section I think it's just getting a little bit long again I needed well that's what I was show. wondering because for a while you had short hair didn't you yeah for, for a very but for the majority of your stand-up career, it's you been have been you long, know yeah. um, Samson-like. Yeah. Why did you just what, what was the uh, the change? Um, I originally cut it short for a role for a sitcom in on Irish television, and then uh, and then just had it short for some time because I couldn't stand that in between long and short thing, and then I had a, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a meltdown, but around about <laughs> sort of. <laughs> 2000, 2001, 2000, yeah, about 2002, I was on tour with Dave Haddingham supporting me, and the tour was not very successful, and we got drunk one night and shaved my head completely, <laughs> uh, and even though I had to do an appearance on television the next day, but even the appearance on television the next day was on a show called Pure 24, where you discussed on BBC Choice what was happening in the latest episode of 24. So the fact that I was doing TV shows like that, and... It was probably what contributed to the desire to just shave my head, um, and and then it just it one was just, eyebrow no. would have been great as well. Yeah. If it was your head uh, and just one eyebrow. Because no, that's if you'd started in profile and then slowly turned round, that is probably and then said that you lived in Ross Noble's sink. Yeah. <laughs> Eight bags and, and, of and a, and a rat had gnawed off the uh, eyebrow, <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then I did a play in Edinburgh that needed me to have a shaved head, so I had to cut short again. What and play was that? It was called Kings of the Road. It wasn't a very good play. It was about Belfast bus drivers. And uh, and then you know, um, then I just let it grow long, and then I don't, people do, people do seem interested in my hair, and it's n- until I then tell them why <laughs> the, the like, ups and downs, and they go right. So you've just changed your hairstyle for various reasons. <laughs> Did you find people treating you very differently when you had short hair? Yeah, people. My favorite thing to do was going up to people that I knew really well and just staring at them until they recognised me. And they'd be like, like, like good friends, old <laughs> friends, just completely blanking me. When you mentioned Pure 24, now you probably don't have regrets yet, Josie, because you're still so young. My main regret um, is doing badly but, in my finals and... Uh, when do we get the results for your maths exams, by the way? August, but there's no point oh, in the AT ones. But I'm, I'm hoping that with mechanics I could have scraped a grade. <laughs> no, we're looking for, but I was thinking that now I look back at an enormous number of things that I did when I was younger and what I wanted to be as a stand-up or whatever, and I go, I cannot believe how many awful rubbish shows. Hmm. That I, I mean, you mentioned Pure 24, and I think like me as well, you got caught up in that. I did one list show. Mm. I think top 100 TV moments of yeah. 2001 or whatever and then if you've been reasonably erudite on one of them you get asked to all of them 
Yeah. And there's then that horrifying moment where you go, what am I doing? Mm. For 200 quid, I'm spreading myself thinly. So people still don't even know who you are, but you've already annoyed them enough that they probably would never bother. You know, that th- oh, it's that bloke again remembering something on the television. Yeah. This is infuriating. But there's a weird thing in that some of those shows, they started off really good and, and then they went really shit very quickly. Uh, like the whole I Love the 80s and all that, they were very popular shows when they first started out. And they had a lot of really good people on them saying very funny things about the different years. Uh, I was never asked to do any of them. It was always funny when you watch people like Peter Kay and Ross Noble on them going, you were like four in the <laughs> year they're talking about. But uh, then it just very quickly became just list shows were just the thing that were on all the time. And you had people who didn't know what they were talking about and people who weren't necessarily that funny. And people who are listed as a stand-up comedian, you go, you're not I've a comedian. never heard You've of never done a gig. Yeah. And they just, they very quickly lost any value but there is that moment where you just you suddenly think why am I talking about this why that th- I have no fascination in this I I have sold myself short because I remember Ian Highland the TV critic th- this was when I, I realised I've got to stop doing these he wrote some review that uh, a friend of mine Dan Tetzel told me about which was uh, it was Christmas and I hadn't realised I'd done so many list shows that I was actually on a channel every night for mm. about five days <laughs> and Ian Highland just went then there was another one of those shows you know with Ian Lee and Robin Ince on then no. the next night there was another one of those shows you know with Ian Lee and Robin Ince and I thought I've got to stop doing this you know mm. who does them a lot now Ian Highland Clever trick. Ah, right, force yeah. everybody else off them. But it, it's, it's weird. It, it, the celebrity reality TV, for instance. I remember as a kid really enjoying things like Celebrity It's a Knockout and stuff like that, mm. where you see these celebrities out of context. And even, as I say, things like Children in Need or whatever, where you have newsreaders dancing around. If it was, as long as this was just now and again, that the thing of the celebrity reality or just celebrities out of their comfort zone. I I really and I, I still think the idea is a good one. But what happened is after the first the first series of Celebrity Big Brother was a good series. Yeah. Uh and the first series of I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here could have been a lot better than it was. People are obsessed with setting up institutions. So it's like, okay, every year. That's every year. Yeah. It but like- it, it well, it's not just that it's just they very quickly went for has-beens. They just very qu- it very quickly became a byword for my career is over and I'm going to revive it by doing a celebrity reality TV show. Whereas they could have, like the first Celebrity Big Brother, Jack D had his own TV show yet to come out that he had done. He was a very current celebrity. And, and they just very quickly then went, because I had a meeting about the second series of Celebrity Big Brother and was, was, was happy to do it. And then they just went, they just instantly went very sort of, has been as it were former this former that used to be in this soap used to be in that boy band and it just caused celebrity reality TV to just lose any currency it had and now it's now it's just a joke now you just don't really want to do any of them the only one I've got years ago I was asked to celebrity come dine with me <gasps> why did you that. not do quite, that no it's quite early oh on and also God, well, no, the main reason is because I thought well I'm definitely not that would be really would be people would be going now she had a hit in 1972 mm. he did the weather 
Who's the bloke in the glasses, right? Who cares? But you get anyway, to Anyway, there is someone who supposedly looks like me who once appeared on Come Dine With Me and every three months I get messages from people who go, is that actually you on Come Dine? No, it's not. No. It's not. It's the same man no. who's like me but a little bit fatter. Someone no. did a voiceover on Spotify that is so similar to my voice, I thought it was me. And I was like, <laughs> oh. And the thing is, I would never do a voiceover on Spotify. Like, I don't really do, like... And, and I heard it and I was like, oh! And also because I hate the adverts on Spotify... So there's no way I would do that because then I would be deliberately pissing myself off, right? No, but wouldn't you be happier with the adverts? Because you'd be going, oh, oh, it's me. No! I'd be like, why am I talking over this music? No, back back when I used to do, I used to have a very high-profile radio advertising campaign. (laughs) It would would annoy me every time I heard it on the radio. And did you go, who's that? Oh, it's me! Yeah, yeah, I would be a bit, yeah. But well, uh, 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 the thing about the other thing about celebrity reality TV shows, though, I did find funny. Like, for instance, when the first I'm a Celebrity came out and all that, was TV reviewers saying, "I don't even know who these people are." <laughs> well, isn't that your job to know who these people are? Because I know at least half of them, and I'm not even a professional TV reviewer. Yeah. So couldn't you at least Google them and then explain to us who they are? I, I always find that. That, 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 that you know, would someone please tell me who this is? <laughs> no, that is your. Is this your first day? As a, it's the same thing when political journalists do that thing of, well, someone please explain to me how the man who came third in the election is deputy prime minister. I don't understand. It, this is your job. <laughs> you're supposed to know this. It's like yeah, you couldn't get away if you're a music review. You couldn't be like playing some sort of instrument yeah. with sticks on it. I don't know what it was. <laughs> but that's well, we are looking forward to. Even though this may well go out long afterwards, we, we are looking forward, of course, to the Edinburgh Festival, uh, in which we will see the cream of reviewing. In which people. Uh-huh. Then I went to see Josie Long, and she came on the stage, and she was wearing a dress, and then she did a joke. She pretended to be someone that that she wasn't for a bit, uh, and I quite <laughs> liked that bit. But then there were some jokes that I did not like as much. Overall, it was all right. And then you do just go, oh no, this is. And I, I, I suppose every different the, the, kind of performance has that. Oh God, Blarney, we've run out of time as well. Yeah. Edburn, Whimsy. Blarney, um, uh, yeah. The, the I, the one, little two I saw quite a lot when I was in the Antipodes was uh, relationships and, uh, and, 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 and domestic life are grist to his mill. <laughs> they use that a lot, grist to his mill. See, I always think of you because of merely by the fact that you're Irish means that uh, I think we've talked about this once before, which is always going. Uh, if Samuel Beckett was a relationship counsellor, I think he'd be a little bit like Ed Byrne. Well, because Ed, because uh, uh, Samuel Beckett, of course, was one as a reviewer. I'm saying. I know of Samuel Beckett. I have heard of him. I haven't seen Way to Vigado, but I've heard there's a tree in it. And uh, he uh, is Irish. I, well, I, I read a review that said I was ginger. That I felt was something they definitely projected on me because of my accent. Ginger Chanteurs, Ed Byrne. I had to. We've run out of time, by the way. Oh, oh. You've been listening to Josie and Robin's Utter Shambles, brought to you by Comedy Central. This podcast was produced by Adrian McKinder and edited by Mike Pell. For more comedy podcasts, visit comedycentral.co.uk slash podcasts.